Hi friends, good morning. I cannot believe it. It is December 1st, 2023. Welcome to the third season of the Friends of France podcast. Wow, three seasons over the past three years. When I first conceptualized the series back in late 2020 and officially executed it as an original Instagram livestream series in early 2021, I could have never imagined the borders that we crossed, the lives touched, and the homes reached through the show. I have three goals for the podcast. One, to educate the public through expert guests. Two, humanize healthcare workers through life stories. And three, provide a platform to the underrepresented in medicine and science. Because of all of you who have tuned in the past few years, and I'm so touched to know that many of you will continue to tune in for this third season, we have made these goals attainable with each episode. This third season was a whole year's work of meetings and planning with expert guests, sleepless nights of recording and editing, and just hidden excitement and enthusiasm for this awaited release. And I know I have made you all wait so long for the third season to be launched. So I will cut to the chase. I am so excited to introduce to all of you our first expert guest for this episode to jumpstart our season. She's a dear friend, an inspiration, a mother, a physician, and just a rock star of a woman. And that word is the very crux of our episode today, woman. I mean, what better way to begin the new season than hearing from a badass woman? Having grown up with my mom, who was a nurse of three decades and recently retired, Yes, I am jealous. <laughs> and having worked with so many women professionals in the clinical setting, I have seen the power when women lead care. A study in 2021 by the Journal of the American Medical Association, or JAMA, found that women are 32% more likely to die postoperatively if their surgeon was a man, relaying better health outcomes for both male and female patients with female surgeons. This echoes a 2017 JAMA study outside the surgical domain that also showed lower mortality and hospital readmission rates with care by female physicians. Additionally, according to a 2002 JAMA systematic review, 50% of women physicians are likely to spend 16 minutes or more with their patients compared to 42% of male physicians. And this is what I do today, spend 16 minutes and more with the incredible Dr. Michelle or Shelley Rockwell. You may know her as Dr. Mommy MD. I mean, what can I say? Studies already show it. Women rock in taking care of patients. We recorded this episode back in February during National Women Physicians Day, and you are in for a ride of a conversation. Patriarchy in medicine, sexism in the workplace, the undeniable pay gap, and just the difference in women-led care. I won't keep you waiting any longer. Meet Dr. Rockwell. I'm here. Hello. Hi. Hi. Long time no see. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I miss you so much. Can you believe it's been over a year since no way. we hey. had our brunch at so January last year or December? I can't even remember. Like it was too long. January ago. last year for Katie's tour, right? Oh my gosh. Way too long. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today. I've been, I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I've been so excited. I am so honored. Today is a very special day. And apparently there's a very, very, very deep history behind today. Today's National Women Physicians Day. And we'll talk more about the history a little bit. But, you know, when I was thinking of this day... I mean, my mom is a nurse, she's not a physician, but I think through her growing up, I saw how much 
power and just beauty women bring to the space of healthcare and taking care of people. So when I was thinking of starting the live stream season again, I was like, when should I do it? And I said, there's no perfect day, but National <laughs> Women's Physician Day. Oh. And there was no one in mind but you. So thank you so much that for saying That seriously yes. like warms my heart so much. That is like the sweetest thing ever. Such a compliment. If you could first please introduce yourself to everybody. Yeah, for sure. So I'm Shelly Rockwell. I am double board certified in family medicine and sports medicine. And I have practiced a lot of different types of medicine up until this point of my career. Currently, I'm working in urgent care, but I've done a breath and stuff that we can talk about. <laughs> I wanted to know like where the inspiration from entering medicine came from. Was there a family member or a friend or a personal experience? It's actually been like a really long twisty road. My dad was the only one that went to college even and he he was an entrepreneur. And so there's no one in medicine in my life mm -hmm. whatsoever. And I actually was an English major at NYU, New York. And I thought I was going to be a teacher. And that was, you know, going to be my career. I was so excited. I loved reading and Shakespeare and all the things. I was such a nerd. And then I realized, gosh, do I really want to read like Romeo and Juliet every year for the rest of my life? Probably not. <laughs> so um, I had a kind of change of heart my senior year of college and decided I wanted to go into medicine. And the spark where that came from was that I had had heart surgery when I was in high school, which I think you had heart surgery too. Did you not? Yeah, I did. Okay, I thought Friends. so. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just had loved my cardiologist. Mm. He like always knew what was going on in my life, always had like that small talk that just made you feel really connected. And so he really inspired me to go into medicine. And so here I am. I thought I was going to do pediatric cardiothoracic surgery. But again, you know, like you go into a career yeah. and you don't realize how many different pathways there are mm -hmm. and during your training so many of your feelings can change and like that's okay so yeah. I think it's really important during your life whatever phase of training or career you're in is to keep an open mind because you never know what you're going to fall in love with and I, I did I loved surgery but then I had family medicine and I really loved it and I was like wow there's so much that I can do with this it's a good lifestyle and I could still do procedural things mm -hmm. and then yeah that's where i ended up yeah it's beautiful how our interactions with other healthcare workers can be like obviously as a patient can bring this whole cascade of oh actually i want to do something like this for a living or for the rest of my life right so i know you went through post-bac studies right because mm -hmm. you you were a different major and then you did post-bac and then you did medical school right. and i know you're dual board certified in sports medicine and family medicine which one came first for those who don't know yeah so family medicine came first and you can actually do sports medicine through mm -hmm. a lot of different mm -hmm. things internal medicine pediatric emergency medicine, family medicine, PM&R. Once you get into medicine, there's still so many choices that you can make. So yeah, family medicine first. And then I always loved sports. I was an athlete myself. I loved having healthy patients that really wanted to get better and get back to mm -hmm. the thing that they love to do. There are tons of procedures in sports medicine. I did a lot of spinal procedures. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that that was like a great blend, you know, my surgical interest and then, mm -hmm. you know, just a cool lifestyle. Super fun. Yeah. And all of that entails like years of years of training. 14 years. 14, 14 years, years from college through 
all my training. Yeah. Yeah, It's insane. Like all my friends from high school had like big jobs and were making all the money in New York City. And here I am, like sold school at the library. (laughs) But it was still worth it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same kind of similar process in other countries in the world, where usually four or five years of undergrad and four years of medical school and then X amount years of training, totaling up to your 14. You know, every physician I've had on the show, it's like a lot of sacrifices entailed, a lot of mental, emotional, psychological toll, so many missed birthdays or family reunions and holidays. We have ended that incurred about it too. (laughs) (laughs) We can't forget about that. (laughs) Do you have any regrets at the end of it all? I mean, honestly... Like, I did miss a lot. Like, I remember in med school one time my parents coming to visit for, like, Christmas. And, like, I was at the library, like, almost every day except for dinner time where I would eat with them for an hour and then go back and study. And, like, that, you know, it does break my heart. And I'm lucky that they're still here and I'm still able to spend a ton of time with them. They literally live right over there. I could see their house. But, you know, gosh, if something had happened to them when I was in school or, you know, like... I just don't know. It is a lot of time. It is a lot of life that you miss out on. But I love what I do. And I think that that's so important. The debt is real. I mean, I think I have more debt than almost anybody I've ever heard Mm -hmm. from before. $600,000 of school debt. And the crown. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I talked to a financial planner once and they were like, oh, I've only ever had one person other than you like have that much ever in my career. And I was like, oh, so, so honestly, like sometimes I do regret going to school Mm -hmm. that like I turned down a couple of scholarships for med school Mm -hmm. because I wanted to go to like a top 10 Mm -hmm. med school. And it's Mm -hmm. not important, you know, like at the end of the day, no one cares where you went to med school. You all get the same education. And so if I had any advice to anyone, it would be, you know, go where you get a scholarship or go where the cost of living is cheaper, Mm -hmm. but you don't need to spend that much money on school. It does not matter. So unless you're going into like plastic surgery or something where you need like these intense credentials you could definitely save money but my loans are currently being forgiven by the government so there's that i'm very excited about because i've given 10 years of service and non-profit organizations so that's a big burden (laughs) i know (laughs) yeah and it's it's really a huge toll and i was talking about this too before with dr kate neonatologist Mm -hmm. and how you know that that is really crippling amongst other things right and it's part of sadly part of the journey that makes it so hard and it's a decision that many also have to think about really well right i often wish i had perfect vision there is so much intricacy in life and beauty in the world around me that i often miss because my view can get so blurry Though I had glasses for years, I opted never to wear them because of the embarrassing indentations and marks they left behind in my face. Covery seeks to target this common struggle within the eyewear market. Covery is a 100% AAPI woman-owned inclusive eyewear brand designed for comfort, offering a wide range of sunwear and specs with prescription lens options. With their signature elevated fit that features longer nose pads, a reduced frame curvature, and a narrow nose bridge to elevate the frame, Covery is designed to better complement diverse facial features such as low nose bridges and high cheekbones for an effortless fit. Beyond this, the premium handcrafted frames are made from plant-based acetate and lenses with 100% UV protection. Find your perfect fit with their offers of a home and virtual try-on. 
With the code FRANZ, that's F-R-A-N-Z, you can get $20 off any frame you like on shopkovri.com. See the world's beauty more comfortably with Kovri. This offer is valid in one frame per order, cannot be combined with any other offers, and is limited to one use per customer. There are luxuries in life that see beyond material things. Practices like self-care and skincare can be an oasis in the whirlwinds and busyness of life. But what if there exists a harmony between material and immaterial luxuries? House of M Beauty is a saffron-infused luxury skincare line that harnesses the antioxidant, vitamin C-rich, anti-inflammatory, and antibacterial power of the highest quality medicinal-grade saffron. They are a clean treatment skincare line suitable for sensitive and postpartum skin. Their unique and cautiously crafted formulations maximize the potency of medicinal saffron to calm and soothe sensitive skin while brightening and targeting skin concerns. From their skin polish, to the miracle serum, to the glow jelly mask, and the silk night concentrate, experience the luxurious transformation saffron can bring to your skin with the code FRANZ20, that's F-R-A-N-Z-2-0, for 20% off your first order on HouseFMBeauty.com, also available at Nordstrom Nationwide. As a nurse, I am on my feet, alert for 12 hours or more each day. There is no space for drowsiness or lethargy in my job because my patient's well-being is at stake. Sometimes, you just need the extra energy boost from coffee. Robusta Coffee offers two times more caffeine and antioxidants with 60% less sugar. But did you know that thanks to its climate and fertile volcanic soil, Vietnam is the world's second largest coffee producer and the number one grower of Robusta. Nguyen Coffee Supply is America's first specialty, women-owned Vietnamese coffee company set to change the future of coffee through sustainability, diversity, and inclusion. The only roast coffee beans are hand-picked at peak ripeness from direct trade Vietnamese farms to produce sweet and flavorful coffee without any additives, flavorings, or oils. Get your own velvety coffee experience for 15% off your order with the code FRANZ15, that's F-R-A-N-Z-1-5, at NewInCoffeeSupply.com. Talking about that, I mean, that can be a very universal experience, right? All of the all of the there, all the emotional toll, both male and women physicians alike go through that for the most part. But there are certain experiences that I realize as a nurse who works with different physicians, there are some experiences that only women physicians do go through and this is something that i really wanted to talk about and this i know we talked about this too when we were having brunch at soho house and that's why i specifically chose this day to have this live stream because i think it's a very important conversation to have again it's national women's physicians day and a quick history lesson for those who may not know i looked this up too <laughs> but the first woman to become a physician in the united states was dr elizabeth blackwell in 1849 mm -hmm. and she pursued medicine because her friend was ill and their friend was like, you know what, I probably wouldn't have suffered so much if it was a female doctor who was caring for me. So Dr. Blackwell applied to so many medical schools, but only one took her. And it's because the male medical students voted her acceptance. And this was back in the 1840s. And this was Geneva Medical School, which is, has been closed, which was in New York. And so she became the first female physician and she actually founded New York Presbyterian Lower Manhattan Hospital. So through one woman, it's like generations of strong women medicine have emerged. And one of them is you, right? And as part of that legacy and that rich history, for you, what does it mean to be a woman in medicine and 
What do you think are the essences of a woman that contribute to your practice as a physician that may be different from, let's say, a male physician could give to their patients? Well, I also love my male colleagues, but yeah. we women are rock stars. <laughs> I agree. But I do want to say also, because it is Black History Month, that yeah. Rebecca Lee Crumpler was the first African-American woman in medicine in 1864, which mm. wasn't too far yeah. after Elizabeth. Blackwell, and when I looked up that stat, I was actually really surprised. And I don't know, it just made my heart happy. So, and her name is just not put out there as much. So, I wanted to be sure to do that. But yeah, so women, I mean, the studies show that we provide better care. So, (laughs) (laughs) So it says women physicians are likely to spend more than 16 minutes a day with their patients, whereas like men are not, 42% of males are only able to when half of females are. So we spend more time with our patients. I think that we bring a lot of compassion to the table. A study that was in JAMA surgery showed that women were 32% less likely to die if they were treated by a female surgeon rather than a male one. So I mean, if that's not saying something, I don't know what is. I think that we're very conscientious, very detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. We really listen to our patients, which I think is something that nurses bring to the table as well. You guys really spend a lot of time with your patients and know them well. And then, you know, since becoming a mother, especially, I feel like it has just completely changed me and completely changed the way I practice medicine, the way I interact with my patients, the amount of empathy I have for people, especially families. Like mm-hmm. if I see a two-year-old sitting in my waiting room, like on the list, I do not let them wait. I tell mm-hmm. my staff to bring them back mm-hmm. right away because mm-hmm. I know as a mom how hard it is to like wrangle a six-year-old in an urgent care. Yeah. It's just yeah. awful. So I think, you know, as a woman, we just bring a little bit, sometimes more tenderheartedness to yeah. our practice of medicine. Yeah, and I super agree with that. And I've seen that firsthand as a nurse um, at the bedside, in the office, and in different other settings. But you know, despite all of those stats and how clear cut those stats are, the perception of the public still does not equate to the beauty in those stats, right? And uh, I think this is where I want to delve deeper into the not so happy experiences you have had as a woman physician in practice. And I say this because again i've seen it many times i remember probably like two years ago i was working in the hospital and this was the start of shift and i came in right i had my badge on registered nurse and the female resident comes in in her white coat with her badge that says doctor we both go in and i'm like hi to the patient i'm christian i'll be your nurse for tonight here is doctor so-and-so she's your doctor and she'll be with us for the rest of the night and it's like looking at me only it's like okay doctor and i'm like no, I am not the doctor. She is your doctor. It's like, no, she's the nurse. And I'm a nurse. I can speak. Nurses are amazing. Yes. <laughs> for myself too. But in that instance, I saw that there is still a perception in the public that because nursing is such a female-dominated field, that most people think that when a woman walks in the hospital floors, it's a nurse and it's not a doctor, except women cannot be physicians. Of course, there is also a huge population where people are just adamant <laughs> that they don't want a female doctor caring for them, which I've also seen in person. And my heart just broke for the female resident. She was an intern at that time. 
And can you just imagine like all the hard work and studying that she has done to be, you know, disregarded at that moment. And I wanted to talk about your experiences as a woman in medicine. Was there ever a time or times where you felt like you were prejudiced or you were disregarded as a physician because you were a woman? Definitely, definitely has happened. I mean, I can't even count like mm-hmm. on my two hands how many times mm-hmm. that story has mm-hmm. happened to me where, mm-hmm. you know, I'll walk into a room after the nurse has already been mm-hmm. in and, and introduce themselves and they still think that I'm the nurse mm-hmm. and can't believe that I'm official. Oh, a woman, mm-hmm. you're a physician. Mm-hmm. Like they're not even shy about saying yeah, how they're not shy. They <laughs> and I'm just like okay yeah and you know i've gotten a little more ballsy in my old age now and i'll i'll say something to people like you know what makes you think that a female can't be a physician and and then they're just like oh oh <laughs> shouldn't have said that, that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah i mean like that perception is still out there um i've never had anyone like blatantly refuse to have me as their doctor but i think we talked about like my sports medicine experience and how it's mm-hmm. a very male dominated field, you know, both the patients that I cared for were mostly mm-hmm. male, but the other providers were. And I worked for Division One teams in my first job at a residency, which, you know, was a big step. But I think I also brought a lot to the table being fresh with a lot of new mm-hmm. high tech, like ultrasound talent. Like I knew a lot coming out of residency and training mm-hmm. directly that some people just didn't have experience yeah. with. So I think I brought a lot to the table, but then after six months of working there, I realized that I was the only one not being paid for my work in the training center. Like the other four men that I was working with, they were all getting stipends for working with the athletes and I was just doing it for free. So, I mean, that happens all the time. And I mean, there's a huge pay gap. So for every dollar a man earns, a woman only earns 74 cents in medicine. So, I mean, over your career, that's between like 1 million and $2.5 million left, which is crazy. Like we're doing the same job. Why should there be that gap? Why do you think that's the case, both from patients and other providers? Why do you think there is, I mean, I think we know the answer, but for you, as you're the one who could speak yeah. on it because you are a woman in medicine who has gone through training, who has gone through education. Why do you think that is the case? I think that women are less likely to ask for what we deserve, mm-hmm. really, because if we do, we're seen as like bitches mm-hmm. or too needy or, you know, they don't, and we're worried that we're not going to get the job because mm-hmm. we're going to ask for more money. I think mm-hmm. we just don't negotiate the way that mm-hmm. men do. And that mm-hmm. really has to change. I think there are a lot of big changes happening with this, with a lot more companies becoming transparent with salaries. And I think it's just something that we've been pushing for. So I think that that's mm-hmm. really important. So I think for women, just know your worth and mm-hmm. negotiate and don't be scared. If they don't give you the job because you ask for more money because you know you deserve it, then there will be another job for you. Yeah, I mean, TikTok is the place where you really find stories yeah. from residents, <laughs> female residents specifically, that when I watch it, and I remember the first time I would watch some things, I'm like, how is this happening in the 2000s? 
And one, the one I can never forget, and I watched six a year, a year ago, was, I think she's an attending now, but she said during her residency, her male attending slapped her across the face in the OR. She, she was a surgical resident because she put trash in the wrong type of garbage can and called her stupid. You will never see a male attending do that to a male resident. And uh, people were in the comments were like, why didn't you report it? Blah, blah. She's like, I did report it. And she was gaslit. And she said that she was afraid that all of her hard work would go down the drain because a woman decides to stick up for herself in the operating room. Yeah. And we see this pervasiveness in surgery in general, which is, I mean, just the statistics and demographics alone of women in surgery is lower compared to, let's say, pediatrics or dermatology or whatnot. And I think that's something that I wanted to ask you as an attending now there's so many girls both young and old women out there who may still be dreaming to become a physician but are afraid of the inequities in medicine and the whole training and education because they are women and they may be hesitant or afraid to go through this route because of the things that they've heard from their own mentors or whatnot what would be your word of advice or message to them i would say you know it would be really naive to say it doesn't exist mm. but i do think a lot is changing and i think that just being there is empowering mm. and your presence is important right mm. and you know like one other story that i think i had told you about was that i was taking care of a baseball team and i showed up to work in a black t-shirt and a yellow scarf which was the team colors and khaki pants and they told me oh that outfit's inappropriate you need to wear this sweatshirt and they handed me like an extra extra large men's like hoodie to wear when it was like i mean it was like 80 degrees outside mm -hmm. it was ridiculous mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they said that i was too distracting i couldn't sit in like the dugout where the other doctors always sat because i was distracting and i was like well that's not my fault like <laughs> If your team is being distracted, then that's their fault. But I'm professional and I'm sitting here and I'm doing my job just like everybody else. But and it broke my heart, honestly. Like it it was awful. And I, like I felt terrible. I had to go sit in the stands and like nobody else had to do that. And it was mm -hmm. because I was a female because of the way I looked. Mm -hmm. And I can't control that, right? Mm -hmm. And I never said anything about that either because I was in my fellowship and I yeah. wasn't an attending yet. And I didn't want to, to like start my career being like the girl that caused problems. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to do my job mm -hmm. and move on. You know, I do regret not speaking up on it or mm -hmm. not causing a ruckus about it because, mm -hmm. you know, that's bullshit, really. Yeah. So even if you don't feel empowered when you're younger, just know that there is going to come a time when you are. <laughs> and there will always be women that will stand up for you and, mm -hmm. you know, and men too, mm -hmm. you know, and find those mm -hmm. people. And and really, it's worth it, I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you see this, I think, a whole revolution within the world of medicine physicians especially within women right like the med bikini or the med kini right yeah. where i think it was an article posted by vascular surgeons who are saying women who wear this or that are unprofessional and shimming right. with but physicians. men can wear their bathing suits no big yeah. deal <laughs> yeah and it's like, how is that possible? I mean, even I think two weeks ago, like the whole thoracic 
surgery convention, they had this PowerPoint slide when it came to like diversity and inclusion, where it's like, it's not necessary and it could be harmful to patients. And I'm like, what's going on? But I am glad. I'd like to say that the new generation of physicians and medical students as well, right? I think they're really fighting for a world of equality. And I wanted to pull stats from AMC, actually, that in 2019, 50.5% of U.S. medical students, both MD and DO, were women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, finally, we're taking over. <laughs> yeah, and you're talking about look for women and men in your training, I guess, in your education, who will stand up for you. And I wanted to ask, does anyone come into mind, given that it's National Women Physicians Day, anytime during your medical school or residency or fellowship where you really were inspired by another female doctor? Yes, 100%. Mm -hmm. Like this woman, like I probably need to write her a letter because she <laughs> just changed my life. Mm -hmm. Her name at the time was Jenna Hirsch, but I think she's since gotten married. Mm -hmm. um, and she was this like tiny, petite, blonde, cute lady, always wore heels, always dressed so beautifully, which I think, again, you know, as a woman, like mm -hmm. you think, oh, you have to stay under the radar. Like don't wear heels, don't yeah. wear cute outfits. But like, mm -hmm. I like wearing pink. I like, mm -hmm. I like being Hybrid. Yeah. But she was that way and she just didn't care. She was a pediatric cardiothoracic surgeon, like one of, I think, like five in the country that were female at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm old. So this was like, <laughs> I don't know, 15 years ago. And <laughs> And she was just like this cute little thing and she would play all the coolest music in the OR. But when she did her job, like it was business and she mm -hmm. knew what she was doing and she would sew those tiny baby hearts up mm -hmm. and she was so inspiring. She like, she knew I wanted to do that. And mm -hmm. she would invite me into the OR with her all the time and just took me under her wing, helped me get research, was really like went out of her mm -hmm. way when she already had like, literally the hardest job in the world mm -hmm. and just to see her like be unapologetically herself mm. while being this like total badass surgeon i mean i was so lucky to have her just like even anywhere in my yeah. sphere being in scrubs the whole shift and for days at work can sometimes strip you of your sense of fashion and self-expression but instilling a bit of design and color does not hurt to let your personality shine through your uniform. V Coterie is a leading provider of healthcare jewelry and accessories for playful, everyday wear, from pins to badge charms and medical specialty-specific necklaces. With their creative process paralleling the founder's background in dentistry, V Coterie was founded to spark the genius within you, redefining the traditional boundaries for jewelry and accessories. They believe fashion can celebrate curiosity and the pursuit of knowledge while allowing you to express your truest self. From the curious student to a confident clinician or even a kidney transplant survivor, Vicodery is here to celebrate you no matter where the journey takes you. Get 15% off your first order with the code VFRIENDSOFRANCE on vcodery.com. Find your daily dose of style and make your passion your fashion. As someone with acne-prone skin, I always fear using new moisturizers that may be too heavy on my skin and clog my pores. This is why I love my Aloe Quench by Skin by Anthos, a facial moisturizer made for all skin types, especially for sensitive skin like mine. Made with an oil-free formula using aloe, glycerin, and green tea, it is suitable for acne-prone, oily, or combination skin. Its soothing and paraben-free formula makes it even great for sunburns and patients taking Accutane. 
Skin by Anthos is the byproduct of the minds and expertise of board-certified dermatology professionals and proud AAPI mothers who saw the need for access to pharmaceutical strength and professional-grade skincare for those with sensitive skin and or skin of color from the safety and convenience of home. Experience a regimen tailored to your skin type that is strong enough to deliver medical-grade results for 20% off with the code FRANCEPODCAST when you order on skinbyanthos.com. The sense of taste is so intriguing. A cascade of good memories can wash over you as you experience the flavor you have met before. Founded by Hannah Bay, Halmi, a loving nickname for grandma in Korean, is a brand of light sparkling beverages that evokes feelings of nostalgia for Koreans and Asians in general, but also curiosity if you are not familiar with certain ingredients and the story behind the flavors. Inspired by traditional Korean flavors through family recipes and made with real fruits and spices, Hami's debut flavor, Cinnamon Ginger Jujube Persimmon, is a sparkling take on Korea's beloved Sujungwa, a sweet and spice punch that has been brewed for generations to aid digestion and is shared during Korea's most festive moments. It's their version of a healthier, lighter ginger ale. With the code FRANZ, that's F-R-A-N-Z, you can get 15% off your first order on drinkhalmi.com. Partake in honoring roots, strengthening ancestral connections, and celebrating hyphenated identities with unique, refreshing, and better-for-you ingredients. What's amazing is, unknowingly, that's what you're also doing for many now through your platform. And I want to touch upon, you know, we've talked a lot about women in medicine, especially physicians, and the difficulties that you face every day from your peers, from patients, and we talked about our hope for the whole world of healthcare, you know, especially with the help of the new generation of practitioners, right? I want to talk about Dr. Mommy and me. Yeah. Where did this come out of? Because now, like that mentor who was a pediatric cardiothoracic surgeon, I feel like in a way you're also like that for others, right? You're guiding others in a way, being their voice, helping them guide them in ways that may be confusing and scary. So I wanted to ask about Dr. Mommy MD and how it came about and what your goal and vision for it is. Yeah, so I started this platform when I was pregnant with Mason, mm-hmm. which was he's five now. So it was like back in 2017. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, this is like the era of Instagram where everything was still just like, beautiful Mm. pictures like just the total aesthetic life like everything is perfect (laughs) and like when I was pregnant I was like holy crap like that's like not how I feel right now (laughs) like I feel like a mess (laughs) I feel like so alone like I don't even know what's happening to me and like yeah I just like basically felt alone Mm -hmm. And not only that, but I was constantly like checking to see if my symptoms were normal. And I'm a doctor. I'm not only that, but I'm a family medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I'm trained in. I'm trained in taking care of moms and babies and families. And still, I didn't feel like confident in all the things that were happening to me. And so I wanted to, you know, be that person for other moms to say, hey, this is normal or like, hey, these are the facts, because I think we all know that there's a lot of misinformation out there on the interwebs these days. (laughs) And so I just wanted to be kind of just like this beacon of Mm -hmm. truth and honesty and inspiration for other moms. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I wanted to make other people feel not so alone. So I kind of just started posting pictures, talking about my journey. And then, you know, when I actually had Mason and became a mom, I felt like that educational portion and kind of connection with other moms was even more important because it's lonely being a mom. I mean, and it's really hard, a lot harder than I ever thought it would be. And everybody on Instagram was like posting it as like, oh, my baby's wearing this cute outfit and like life is so easy. And that's not what motherhood is yeah. like. So, yeah. I mean, there, of course, it's beautiful and I yeah. love being a mom, but it's also really hard. And there's a lot to learn. There's a huge learning curve, even as a physician, right? Yeah. And so I wanted to make sure that I was putting out good information and inspiring other moms, really. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, you inspire me so much. And uh, I will never forget that brunch in Soho House with Jackie where you and I and her just talking. And I just felt like the world stopped around us because we were talking about so many things. And I can't believe that it's been over a year and so many things in the world has changed. And I know in our personal lives as well, especially you and your beautiful house going on as well. <laughs> I'm no. finally here <laughs> after how long this has been now, but yeah. we're here, we're working on it's, it. It's, it's getting beautiful, there. and it's the fruit of many labors, and I mean, I think that's what life is, right? It's a fruit of so many things, all the difficulties you have gone through, when you specifically, your whole journey in medicine, motherhood, and your platform here online, and you still work as a physician every day, obviously, and taking care of people. And taking care of people is not easy because you don't just give your physical energy, right? But there's that whole emotional and mental toll as well, especially as a physician, I can't imagine, you know. I mean, people's lives are executed in your hands, right? You're applying your treatment for them. How do you decompress from out of all of that, out of work? It hasn't been a thing that I've been very good at the past five years. I mean, like, when you become a mom, like suddenly your life revolves around them as it should right and well I mean I don't want to say as it should but it just it tends to happen right and and sometimes you lose yourself and your passions and your hobbies and same with medicine or training or going to nursing school it's like you're so engrossed in this thing pursuing this goal that pieces of you like just slip away and just recently I feel like I've started to come back to some of my passions one is even going back to yeah. being an English major yeah. and like reading books and that's yeah. like a li my little escapism mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful thing because even you know sitting there on the couch with my kids I can like open a yeah. book and it's yeah. good to, for them to see me reading yeah. and it's good for me because yeah. I love it yeah. um, but it's something that in the past five years I really haven't yeah. done I've just really yeah. not mm -hmm exercising used to be a huge part of my life. I was an athlete. I was, you know, yeah. a runner in college. Yeah. I played every sport yeah. in the books. But I also think like now my kids are like three and five and they're starting to get into sports. So I'm playing with them, doing basketball, playing soccer. And yeah. so that passion is starting to come back yeah. to me too. I'm starting therapy next week. <laughs> I know. I've been to therapy twice yeah. before. Um, once after September 11th because I lived mm -hmm. in New York City and was really mm -hmm. affected by that. And then I had actually a stalker in mm -hmm. my fellowship who was a patient of mine mm -hmm. and it really affected my ability to connect with patients. And so after that, I went mm -hmm. to therapy also. Like it's kind of, I feel like therapy is something that kind of falls off the wagon a little mm -hmm. bit when you're, you know, doing okay. And then you realize that maybe you should just be a part of my life. 
yeah. for everybody I almost think yeah. uh, so I'm actually really proud of myself because it's hard I mean like gosh it's hard to find somebody you connect with or even find somebody who takes your insurance I mean yes. uh, so, insurance. Um, so I'm doing that and then I mean in this house like i love decorating i love sharing that part of me tell. Uh, <laughs> i love I'm it really too excited to yeah. now it's done to share more yeah. of that and then you know i think like you like just being a creator like that's one of the reasons i started my platform on instagram was you know aside from the whole being a new mom thing was my passion in photography mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. just could sit there and edit a picture for like hours it's yeah. just kind of it's like art for me you know yeah. and so just taking pictures and doing things like that just yeah. letting out that creative side yeah. that's been kind of in hiding yeah i love it and you know aside from that creation it's like content creation as well even this huge but also small world of social media we get to meet so many amazing people i've met so many amazing people and one of them is you and uh, it's just been an honor to sit down with you today and talk about very important topics that you know as we're talking about it now you're pulling out statistics or pulling out this and this but as you can say from your own experience like it's a very tangible and visceral experience that someone might be experiencing right now right like at this very moment everything that you've talked about and so i'm so grateful to have had this conversation with you and this is the first episode of my third season and i always knew it was going to be you so thank you so much oh my god i like honestly like meeting you and talking (laughs) to you like you're like my kindred spirit (laughs) i adore you and i cannot wait to come back to new york but yeah we're gonna visit yeah, me and Katie are just here. We need well, to yeah, now that Katie's the... there, I mean, I want to bring the kids next time, yeah, though, but they're crazy. So, so you're going to be in. We're ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready. Shelby, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed this conversation. I learned so much. And thank you so much for your time. So good to talk and to you. Thank you to everyone. Love you. Have a Bye. good day. Bye.